to the Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif. We back with my uh, co-host, D. I know you guys haven't seen her in a minute, but she back in the building. Hey, she y'all. back in the building. But this brother that you see here, here in the middle, I'm talking about one of the funniest guys that ever came out of this city. Um, you guys may have seen him on Def Comedy Jam, uh, Teen Summit, yeah. numerous movies, man. This brother is a legend in the comedy game, and he's about to be your new mayor. Yes, I said it here first. I'm talking about the one, the only, D.C. native, Mr. Rodney Red Grant. What's going on, brother? What's up with y'all? How y'all doing today? Hey, I'm, man, I can't I'm call it. D, how you doing today? Hopefully, I'm doing great. I'm doing, doing great. outstanding, hopefully. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. Well, first of all, I got to say this, uh, Mr. Grant. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you on a platform. I've really, I've been following your journey for the past 20 years, man. 20 plus years. And mm-hmm. this transition that you have made in this new endeavor of your life, man. I'm, I'm, It's very inspirational. It's not just people within my city, man, but I feel like people abroad, man. So um, with all that said, man, how, how, how does it feel, man? Like, you know, t- 2022, we got the pandemic. It's pretty much, you know, going over. How have you been maintaining? Oh, I've been maintaining great. I'm outstanding. Um, I, I, I'm super excited to be running for mayor of Washington, D.C. Uh, my career has definitely set me up for this uh, properly, the longevity that I had in, in the entertainment business. Also, in uh, being an executive in my own production company that's running my own production company. And it's just been an incredible journey. And I I truly thank God every day for him giving me the visions and giving me the courage to do a lot of the things that I've done in my life. So I'm truly happy, man. I'm truly happy to be representing Washington, D.C. I represent it everywhere I go around the country, around the uh, world. And and I feel like Washington, D.C. has a chance to make history on November 8th, 2022 in electing me as their new mayor. And I, I'm, I'm super excited to to take on this journey that the city not only is trusting me with, but also I feel like God has given me the vision to be able to pull off. Okay, no doubt, no doubt not. I appreciate that. You, you to go ahead and, and run for mayor. What what brought that about? I mean, I was called to run for mayor. Uh, to be honest with you, I was, you know, uh, coming back and forth to D.C. from L.A. and Three years ago, I reestablished my resident here in the city as I was establishing my uh, Don't Shoot Guns, Shoot Cameras program, helping the youth in our city. And I started talking to my neighbors and my friends, and they was uh, voicing their concerns about a lot of the things that was happening around the city. They felt like their voice wasn't being heard. And they had asked they asked me to, to run for office, and I was thinking about, okay, I'm not going to run for being a council because I'm not a legislator. Mm-hmm. And I started researching what position would be the best position for me. And since I was an executive and I've been running a corporation for so long, and D.C. is a big corporation and it needs somebody who understands how to allocate funds and, you know, who's dealt with millions of dollars in budgets and, and also dealt with, had you know, employed thousands of employees through my company. You know, it's only right for me to run for the executive office of mayor. And it's, it's definitely something that I take super serious. And um, the people of D.C. Are, are, are really rallying behind the movement. 
I, it's, yeah. it's so many people that want change in this city and that's not getting change. And I feel like they need a leader that's not a politician, but a humanitarian, somebody that understands how to, the human side of this whole journey. And that, that person would be me. No doubt. Well, look, hey, Mr. Grant, I want to I start from the beginning, man. I know, you know, a lot of times you have interviews, man, and you want to, you know, guys want to ask you about a question that, about what you currently got going on. But me being a fan of you, man, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to lead up to what you got going on. And then we, I promise I'm, I'm not going to keep you here too long, but... You know, from you know they what, I, what say, I know. They, of, huh? they always say that. That's all. <laughs> Take, Take your time, do it right. You know, you got, <laughs> hey, you, you got the right atmosphere in the back. Hey, it's this. It's all good. <laughs> hey, you peeped it. You peeped it. It's all good. I hey, feel look, like I'm, I feel like I'm overdressed over here. <laughs> <laughs> jersey on something. Hey, look, look, hey, 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 Red, I was, I, I had to represent, man, but I'm going to try my best to, to, to give you the condensed version. So again, let's, let's, let's start from the beginning, man. You're originally from Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, born, you know, born in Northwest, but you grew up in uh, Southeast Washington, D.C. So just talk about that a little bit. I was born in D.C. General, actually. Okay. I was born in D.C. General, then we moved uptown. Well, we didn't move. They took, you know, my mom's and my pops was already living uptown with my sister. Got you. Uh, she was a year old at the time. And so we lived in uh, Northwest Tyler House near, uh, next to Surgeon Quarters. And I grew oh, up yeah. with a, uh, a great family environment. Like when I say that, I mean the building itself, all my mom's friends. This was at the time when everybody was partying together it was no social media yeah yeah social was yeah. coming over everybody's house and you know gathering so you know all her friends had kids so all of us all hung together and it just was a great atmosphere and when my father and my mom uh, separated and got divorced uh we moved to southeast uh to the to off over off of minnesota avenue Okay. Uh, right by uh, Fort DuPont Park where they had summers in the park so it went from like a, a, a neighborhood where I was more close into an apartment building to a right. house in a neighborhood neighborhood where you know every person on the street was an athlete yeah. so I grew up around a lot of great athletes so I played football baseball um, my mom's put me in every choir that she could put me in okay. she you know I aspired to be a singer at one time uh oh! <laughs> and, uh, I sung, actually sung for like two or three presidents uh, down at the Christmas tree. Wow! I uh, every year we do that, and I went to Susan Junior High School where I graduated, and I was supposed to go to Anacostia, but it was so many people on my street that were uh, athletes playing at Dunbar. Okay. I went up to Dunbar, talked to the coach. He recruited me to go there. So I went to Dunbar High School, and, and that's where I graduated from. I heard you was a standout athlete at uh, Dunbar High School. Uh, what position did you play? I played tailback, and I okay. played uh, linebacker. Okay. So, and that, it's crazy that I look back at I was like, damn, he was a little linebacker, but I, I had some <laughs> I didn't know it. I didn't know I was a little linebacker at the time. Right, right. You had all the heart, though. That's okay. And I, I had I had heck, heck of heart. A lot of it. <laughs> 
yeah, so, yeah. So that um, that was a know, great experience because I, I played football and I played baseball at Dunbar, and those were some good times for me. And I went on to get recruited to play at Savannah State uh, University, where I played with um, the great Shannon Sharp. Well, he was he was a senior when I got there, but it was still good to play that one season with him. And um, just to see greatness on the field, I was just like, it felt like God kept putting me around so many great people. And I think that's where I really became funny because okay. everybody on that team was hilarious. It was like, it was like the locker room used to be cracking. <laughs> and everybody on that team, if you know Shannon Shop now, how he is, that personality, yeah. that's how he was in the locker room, but even on, on 10. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's the TV version. Oh yeah, <laughs> the real version. No doubt, no doubt. We, you know that that was a good time. And then when I came home, um, I had uh, I had a kid when I right right out of high school, okay. so I came back home went to UDC. And when I was going to UDC, I started working for Department of Recreation. Okay. Uh, coaching at Department of Recreation. I was coaching all the kids, football, baseball, track, swimming, mm. archery, anything that they had at the school, right. at, at the at the rec over on Ridge Road. Okay. And I started working at uh, East Capitol. And my 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 fraternity brothers, I played Capitol Alpha Side when I was in, in at Savannah State. Shout out to all the noobs. Um and they was like, you know, Red, man, you got you got a good time in it, man. You should go you should uh, try to get on Def Comedy Jam. And I was like, okay. you know, I was a little hard head. I was like, man, <laughs> Tommy. On yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I started telling jokes at Mr. Henry's and Adams Morgan. And and it, it like six months after I started telling jokes, yeah. found me, took me, sent me to New Jersey, Russell Simmons and his partner. And the rest is history. I got on Def Comedy Jam. That's when you used to have the, the afro. Was it? Yes. Was it? Was this before that? Like this around that time? No, I, actually, when I first started, I had short hair. I started okay. my afro like later, like when I started doing comedy and all that. Okay. I started throwing my hair out like super hard, but right. you know, it was it was a good time, man. I, that was you. You never knew what what, what Red Grant was gonna get at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was definitely like a different type of young man at that time. Uh, but you know, youth is a mug. You know, you youth would take you to a lot of different places. Now, speaking so speaking of the youth, speaking of the youth, you know, I um I heard that you was uh you know like myself uh, who was born and raised here in Washington D.C. You also um you know you registered or enrolled in the you know the Marion Barry summer youth program. Yeah. So talk talk about that a little bit and talk about you know what Marion Barry meant to you and what do you think he you know as far as like you know how much he meant for the you know to the people of the city because a lot of people i don't think they're familiar um to marion barry and his story uh in regard to you know washington dc well you know marion barry was uh a man of the people he he saw early that if you give young kids an opportunity then they will be able to flourish in, in, in life. Okay. And I think so many people who got an opportunity to be living in that time where he was giving summer jobs to 
the youth and allow everybody who wanted a job to have a job. Right. Uh, it, it, it built work ethic within us. So early in your life, we were already learning how to have work ethic. And I think that's super important that the youth understand work ethic. Like it, nothing's gonna come easy. You gotta get on the bus in the morning. You gotta go uptown. You know they had good jobs too. You might work at a, a doctor's office. You, yeah, you yeah. don't know where you might be working. It was like, yeah. you know, you might be working at a school, or you might be working, you know, at Blue Plains. Or I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. real jobs. Yeah, they yeah. Had. And it gave me an opportunity to also understand about uh, equity early in my life, like, mm -hmm. you know, financial literacy, to be able to have your own money, buy your own clothes, and support your family, because my moms might take one of them checks and pay a light bill. Right. And I think that's what we have to bring back, that type of programming, and to re and revamp his, his legacy. And I, that's one of the first things I'm gonna do is make sure his legacy especially when it comes to some of youth programming uh, and programs itself that were in the schools or in the neighborhoods and also vocational programming that was in the schools or in the yeah. neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think that's very important for us to have like those after school programs, something that the kids and take care of our seniors, you know, that he was real big on making sure our seniors was good. And, and that's a good thing. And he took care of the homeless too. That's yeah, one thing did. a lot of people don't know about Murray and Barry. He 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 gave homeless people opportunities mm -hmm. not to be homeless. Right. You know, job training and everything. So these are some important things that we have to bring back to our city if we want our city to flourish again. I ask this um uh, uh Red. You know, like you you mentioned like, you know, um how Murray and Barry used to, you know, um take care of the homeless now right. we got a, like a lot of plans you know um you know what are you like some of your plans as far as like increasing you know like the um you know to what, what are your some of your plans to like address like you know increase the uh living costs you know job creation as far as like capacity for building and you know like long for for, for i say long term uh long time dc residents you know what's your what's your plans on that well you know as you know, long-time DC residents have been forgotten. Yes, recently. they have. Yes, they have. Um, and I think even people who move here are shocked how bad that we get treated. Man, I feel like a visitor. Right. I you feel know. like a man. I go up on U Street, man. I feel like I mean, people look at me like I'm like I'm not even from here. Like, but that that was allowed to happen. You need some and help. Th that <laughs> was allowed to happen. So yeah, um, that just didn't happen by chance Talk about that a little bit though because I've, I've i've shared that with some of my my colleagues and constituents and a lot of them think that i'm just talking out of my, my, my ass but i i feel like you know this was by design so if you don't mind i know you you running for office and this could be one of those questions that you know certain politicians they want to stray away from but if you don't mind can you expound on it a little bit well um when it came to let's let's start with a couple of things Let's start with let's let's affordable. Go. Let's start with affordable housing, right? Let's go. So if you push people out the city, you tear down neighborhoods, but you don't give people a place to go, right. or you don't you don't even um, 
make it affordable for them to live in the places that you are building, right. then you are pretty much putting, pushing them out, right? Because if they're going from paying $1,100 in rent and now all the rent around you is $3,3200 and they have no way of getting in those buildings unless you know you have the best credit and a lot of times people you know credit not right yeah, or yeah. you know they make it so hard for you to get inside of these buildings these buildings uh, these developments supposed to be for at least 20 percent low income residents right but as you can see the banks are not forcing the developers to live up to those uh those terms so right. we gotta we gotta force like the bank uh, funding development to live up to what the developers supposed supposed to do, uh, and a lot of times the banks don't regulate that situation. There's no checks and balances on that on those situations mm. for those and, and, and no penalties, right? For for them to even fear if I don't so I put two percent up in it, if that, right? So that's one that's one thing uh and another thing is when you have a culture such as dc a dc culture you got to make people respect at least the culture right no right? doubt no doubt um, talk about that you know dc has been uh certain it's like almost going to new orleans and say you know man mardi gras by nothing ever come around here anymore mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> or imagine new orleans without mardi gras yeah that's how they do it i know where you about to go with this one go ahead <laughs> that's, what they, that's basically what they doing with our music our clothing our, our heritage right you know right you know, people got to go like deeper uh in this situation right. and, and i and i'm talking directly to our people too and i right. want them to understand that um we have a lot of power in this city but we don't use it right right we have a, our voices are big still in, our, in this city. We still have 49% of the majority to their 43. Um, so we still have a big power, um, um, big voice in voting, but we don't use our voting uh, rights properly and we don't get involved with our local politics properly. So when you, when you think about in the last election, only a hundred and maybe 58,000 people out of the register uh, voters voted. Two hundred and seventy-five thousand people did not vote. Damn. All right. So, who do you think those two seventy-five were? That was us. So they count on that two seventy-five not yeah. to come out to not vote. To come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And those are the people that we are firing up. Those two seventy-five. Yeah. yeah. That have been forgotten. Have been have said to themselves, "Well, man, my vote don't count no way." Yeah, it yeah, do. Yeah. It, it, it definitely counts. It right, counts right. a lot. So we have to make people understand how powerful their vote was. Because in 1867, when, when black men got their first right to vote in the District of Columbia, mm -hmm. you know, it was so powerful. And at that time, we were Republicans and with the Republican Party. But we was moving it. We was moving everything, shifting the whole look of, of a city so much that seven years later, they took the power from us in 1874 mm. and they mm. took all voting rights from everybody in the city 
they say if blacks is doing that well then we're gonna take everybody right i don't right. care who you are and yeah, we didn't yeah. get those right to vote uh that right to vote um until 100 years later in 18 yeah, so, yeah. i mean in 1974 mm -hmm. yeah where they re where they put in uh yeah, walter washington yeah, who was the yeah, Walter Washington? Yeah, what we're going through right now. Yeah, a partial, partial voting. Okay, okay. But that's when they put in where you have a mayor, have a council. You know, you know, you have your ANCs, and I think people really don't understand. There's only been six mayors in this city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Washington D.C., so we can't sleep on our power. You know, this this election in 2022, November 8th. We have to come out and sow the numbers in, in droves. And I always say we got to party to the poll. We like partying everywhere else. But we need to party <laughs> to the polls. Yeah, we need yeah. to come out and really uh, attack the voting booths. You know, we attack yeah. each other enough. Let's attack the voting, uh, the voting booths. Yeah. No doubt. Um, so in, a, in addition to like, you know, affordable housing and things like that, do you have any plans for like infrastructure? Cause I'm from Maryland, but I drive into the city sometimes. And boy, is it a trouble. So is, yeah, is there um, any what, plans for like infrastructure or, or what are your plans for, for that type of thing? Well, I mean, you see, we got bridges falling down. Mm -hmm. Potholes. The potholes is um, <laughs> so severe that they have a, <laughs> the potholes so severe that they have on Florida Avenue, uh, a tire shop. Yeah, that has a it's a drive-through tire shop. Oh, right? right, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what we're talking about, I right? By exactly. Yep. That, that that they get so much money just because yeah. they know that you got to drive up that street. Yes, sir. And yeah. deal with those potholes. Yeah. So no, we have to definitely fix our roads. Um, Minnesota Avenue been getting fixed for so long. Benning Road been getting fixed for so long. Um, two ninety five. Two ninety five. Two ninety five is a nightmare. But see, you know, I don't know when that's gonna get fixed. Man, they've been, been working on that for like twenty five years, right? Oh, the same. It's been lot. the same combs. It's been the same combs. So uh, I'm definitely gonna look into everything when I become mayor and why so why we still are fixing the same things we were fixing 25 years ago because it has to be an answer and people want to know right <laughs> so yeah i'm definitely dealing with infrastructure and it, it's very important that we put a lot of uh, money into our education system too because our, our young kids need to um be educated properly it's it's a shame that you got to go uptown just to get the proper education right. and we want to make sure that all kids have you know, like when we was in school you know most of the schools were public schools and i know like nowadays you know most a lot of it seemed like damn near majority of the, the schools are charter schools so you know talk about that what um you know what uh, what are the some of the incentives to you know to to keep these schools as, as public schools and what are some of the advantages of uh, a lot of these schools becoming charter schools that's what one of the questions that i want to know i don't i think like when my nieces were uh, going to charter school it was more of an advantage right but me and my wife we research you know charter schools public schools 
Catholic, Catholic schools, um, private schools. Yeah. And at the end of it, we was like, we sent our kid to Johnson Middle School on the south side. There you go. <laughs> What's that? Al know, Alabama Avenue, Stanton Road. Stanton Road, you know. Yeah, so yeah. she's a she's a seventh grader over there. So okay. I I I go by feeling, right? So when you go talk to a principal, you go talk to the teachers. I go by how they treat your kids and how they treat yeah. the kids, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that education itself has to be more innovative. Period. Mm -hmm. I think that kids want to learn about different things in school, something that they can use in the future. No doubt. Right. Always, always preach that we have to have uh, financial literacy in our schools. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. Um, that, that kids really learn about how to spend their money, how to make money, you know, how to save money. And these things are real things, how to keep your credit right and what is credit. So when they go into these next parts of their life, you know, they understand that. Um, and we have to have more, you know, arts. We got to put arts back in the schools. You know, we had some of the fireest bands. Oh, yeah. Some of the fireest uh, choirs. I mean, all that stuff was fire. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. got to put that in the schools because yeah. Whether you know it or not, that helps people help the young people be creative. Okay. That helped me be creative. And I think when you take the creativity out of the schools, no matter if it's a charter school, public school, Catholic school, private school, it, it takes the spirit away from what our young kids, who they are. You gotta go to these schools and, and really see the energy that they have, right? You gotta embody that energy and bottle it up and use it to the city's advantage right the these kids are amazing when you go talk to them you know but they're yeah, what's not the vibe like because i see they, i see you out here you know i follow you on ig what's the what's the you know the 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 response that you're getting from the people how, how you know what is that like i mean the response is uh incredible and i'm, I'm super humbled about the the response because i i'm glad that god gave me the opportunity to show who i can be right uh, I think it's very important to be a leader and I remember when I was a follower so I, I tell people all the time don't think I always was a leader yeah, I, I was a follower at one time so that's right. how I understand how to talk to people who follow and how to try to make them leaders no because we all one step away from being the best leaders that we can no be no but they just want Say what, helped you, what helped you learn how to become a leader? What helped you get over that? I think the mistakes I made, I, you know, I think, you know, if people say that they didn't make no mistakes, then they, they, they have failed the first test of leadership. Right. Right. <laughs> so I think the, the mistakes that I've made in my life, um, that have made me, uh, understand how to be a better leader i think reading more and becoming more educated educate myself more i always preach to people even if you don't actually read the book let the book talk to you right you right, know right. so many audio books out here right. but you can get so much from it you know i try to live my lessons off of that uh the four agreements 
Uh, and if you haven't read, it's a great book to read and it teaches you about the four agreements that we should all live by or learn to live by. One is keeping your words impeccable. Uh, one is don't take things personal. One is never assume anything. And the fourth is always do your best. No doubt. So I, I think just educating myself more and getting more culture. That's why, you know, the program that I've started, you know, with the youth, like don't shoot guns, shoot cameras. I, I feel teach them that SEL or that social emotional learning that we all need to be able to check our emotions and, you know, our social environment. And once you start understanding your environment, you start growing. And, you know, I, I think that's very important to teach young men and young women how to grow. Okay. Now, now like I said, you, you know, you know, we 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 from the city and we know how things used to be back in the day. Uh things have definitely changed, but what I've noticed, you know, there's still a lot of crime in a lot of areas uh here in Washington DC. So, what are some of your what are some of your plans to combat that? And what are some of your plans as far as like, you know, criminal justice reform and helping these uh felons to adjust and transition back uh into civilian life? Uh, well, first thing we gotta do is make sure that we treat our returning citizens fair. Like that's first and foremost. You know, you paid your dues, you come back home, right? And you just want to get to work. You know, we gotta we gotta create jobs for our returning. We building all this, all these buildings around here. We got bridges going up. We got all this stuff going on. And we're going to Pennsylvania, Delaware, uh, Virginia, different places to hire people. But right? what, but but, uh -huh. but that's the thing. And I hate to cut you off, Red. Like that's been always one of my major issues with with Washington D.C. and the the infrastructure of how we you know how we move. Like, what do you plan on doing? As you know, as far as like making sure that we get these government contracts, these contracts to hire, not just. Um, uh, felons or but you know just uh Washington DC natives because seem like a lot of those contracts go to people that is not from uh this area and they bringing in guys to work on these facilities and that's not from the Washington DC area so what you know how do we you know how, how do we be able to curtail something like that well it's not a difficult thing to do you you have to I mean we, we you know the leader the mayor is is supposed to be the person who runs all the services mm. in the city, right? Man. So it's a service for everything that goes on in our city. It's supposed to help make the lives of the citizens and the residents better, right? Right. So, you know, you got to make it where people can have, uh, get uh, CBEs or, or licenses, Right. So they can have yeah, government yeah. contracts. Let's make yeah. it easy for the residents of the city. Exactly. Why are we making yeah. it so hard for the residents of our great city to be able to get government contracts, whether it be electrician or plumber or, right. you know, right. uh, someone who understands elevators and someone bricklayers. I mean, it's yeah, so many yeah, different yeah. jobs yeah, and yeah. social services that we as as uh, citizens and residents know how to do already. So why are we going outside the city to get this done? 
right? Um, I think that's important that we have, we raise the minimum wage. Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, because it costs 100, you got to, you got to make 140 thousand or $150,000 to live comfortable comfortably yeah in the city of Washington DC that's crazy and I think that's ridiculous they took away the uh, diverse middle class the middle class was what ran this city the middle class is what kept this city going that's a fact now you take now you got you know people who do well and people who don't do well. Yeah, and yeah. You take away that middle class. Yeah. You you take away the bridge to the spirit of our city. Right. It's like the haves and the, and, and and have nots. Yeah. And, and we can't. We gotta. We gotta give everybody a chance to have. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. It's it's really about a person and leadership that cares that it's gonna get done. And not just be a yes person to the people who are just in your ear. You got to have a backbone when you become a mayor of Washington D.C. You can't just everybody who comes to you say, "No, we're going to do it this way." Nah, hold up. Right. Right. We we got to take care of the, the the people and the citizens of our city. Mm. And that's this ain't just color. This is everybody. Right. Right. Like right. it's it's everybody's complaining right, about right, this right. thing. It's just that. African Americans always get the short end of the stick. It's an eighty-one to uh, three difference in uh, income in the Washington right. D.C. So mm. that means somebody of another color is making eighty-three times more than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that, I ain't say ten times. Yeah, <laughs> eighty-three. Eighty-three. That's crazy. You know, we that's got what that, that's, I feel like we got an eighteen point five billion dollar budget, right? <laughs> Not eighteen point five million, eighteen point five billion dollar budget, and we are uh, uh, not allocating the funds properly and building equity within our all our communities. You know, right. people selling buildings for giving buildings away for a dollar. For a dollar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, you might want that building for a dollar. Why they don't give it to you? Exactly. What's the difference? What makes you different than them? Right, right. So we got to really be fair. It's almost like the system of when we was growing up, when they say be fair, be fair and share. Right, yeah. We just got to be fair and share again. No, that's a that's a fact. I was thinking about, you know, and and, and I'm I'm very conscious and very, you know, it's sad to see what happened as far as like, you know, Back in the day, we used to have a lot of public uh, housing developments here in the city, like, you know, you know, Sirs and Quarters, you got uh, the Arthur Capers, you have the, you know, Valley Green, the, the Berry Farms, Linda Pole and Eastgate. And I remember you you said something earlier where, you know, these um, community, when they tore down these public housing uh, facilities, um, they were supposed to be like mixed, uh, u- mixed income units. But when yeah. I go around Arthur Capers, around like around, uh, Virginia Street and Southeast, which is totally changed from how it used to be um i don't see that it's not reflective so what are some of the uh some of the things that you plan on doing to 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 hold these uh you know whoever uh accountable as far as making sure that these are uh mixed income facilities and that the the standards are not so 
uh, uh, demanding. They're not so uh, strenuous, you know. Um, well, like I said, you have to have checks and balances on the banks who give money to developers. Right. Foremost, the first and foremost, and they have to have some type of fear factor that if they do not live up to making it affordable for all right. to live, yeah. then it's a super penalty. And it's one there thing we go. about there we go. Yes, sir. people don't want to get penalized right. In, right. In, through the banks yeah. because yeah. you know they're looking to make money, not you know have to get fined and penalized for it. So you got to make these fines so incredible that they know that they're going to live up to what they said in their original contract. Mm. It's not as what you said after your original contract. Yeah, exactly. You said, I'm yeah. going to make an affordable living situation or housing for people. And you start making a building or you start um, building a building or building a section um, uh, 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 of new new uh, building in the city and you're not living up to the actual uh clause that you said you were going to live up to no doubt so it, it's important that we have checks and balances on these banks that lend the money to the developers who are developing these uh they're tearing down our uh, what well, they would call i don't call them projects but you know for public so housing yeah, I just, I just say, yeah, I hate to use that term. Myself, I, I hate to yeah. use it too because you start thinking it was a project when they exactly. built it. I, I grew, I, that's where I grew up. But I people live up. there. People yeah. live there, and they need somewhere to go. You can't just just because it's the projects don't mean you can just throw these people out to the wolves. Yeah, you know? I just think I don't use projects. I like to use communities because these right. are real communities, right? You know, right. and they try to. They try to make it seem like it's a bad place. Right, right. No, a lot of these places have been communities for so long. They yeah, all yeah. know each other. They all live together, yeah. have cookouts, have parties, yeah, have yeah. love. And you know, it's more great apples in there than it is bad apples. Exactly. They don't they don't talk about that though, you know. No, it's so many great stories that yeah, come from yeah. there. And, and and they always uh, um magnify the bad stories. So we got to get back to how DC is a cultural city, right? Right. You know, and we got to do it together. We got to start. You know, that's why when people ask me about my platform, I always tell them, you know, it starts with love, care, and respect. Because right. once we start loving and caring and respecting one another, we right. force others to love, care, and respect us, and it all trickles down from public safety all the way down to affordable housing. Yeah, and you know, yeah. one thing, you know, I want to bring to our city is a, a great energy back to our city. Yes, man. You know, yes, yes. Our city is off right now, and I know it could be on, um, but when you have the mayor beefing with the council, council beefing with the mayor, mm -hmm. mayor beefing with the AG, attorney general, and he beefing okay. with yeah. her, and you know, we have people are looking at these things. This is an mm -hmm. energy within the city. You know, that's that's where public safety starts at. Mm -hmm. You know, right now with with, with our leaders, our you leaders have like a chance. That, you think stuff like that kind of like affects us from you know eventually having statehood? Because that's what I want to I want to talk about that next. You know, like as far as like what is there? You know, do you have like a concrete vision? 
you know, like a blueprint, you know, something that can, you know, um, where, where we can where we can receive, you know, statehood, you know, eventually. Um, well, as you know, I'm, I'm running as an independent, right? Okay. Right. As we speak, because I, I was a Democrat. My mama was a Democrat. Her mama was a Democrat. Her mama was a Democrat. And we still don't have voting rights in the mm-hmm. nation's capital. Exactly. We're still getting taxed without representation. Tax, taxation so without representation. I, I know it's going to take a nonpartisan mayor to be able to cross over those lines to be able to pull things together for us no. to eventually have statehood. Um, because it's very important that we have not only just voting rights, mm-hmm. but, you know, be able to control our own destiny within the within Washington DC. And I think 